Uh, this is our last corporate update of the Beaver Creek Precious Metals Summit, and I'm really thrilled to be sitting across the table from Christian Malau, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Equinox Gold. I will preface by saying Equinox. I am a shareholder of Equinox. Uh, so it's been very exciting to see all the news coming up. Uh, lots of different things happening throughout the country. But uh, Christian, first off, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast and, and talking about the company. Yeah, no problem. It's great to be here for the first time and uh, hopefully last but not least today. I, I, I hope so too. Uh, you know, I, I kind of want to pre- I, I want to kind of set the stage and really talk about building a company. Um, you know, Equinox has got a lot of different assets, a lot of production, uh, development and exploration. So, you know, the sky really is the limit. Uh, but there was a big acquisition with the Hard Rock project. Uh, give us a lay of the land of Hard Rock and where it stands now, and what what the team's doing up there. Yeah, it's, um, it's been an amazing building the company. It's been hard work, stressful, you know, rewarding, all that kind of stuff, finding like access to capital in a market that hasn't been overly supportive of gold. But, um, you know, we're really pleased that, you know, in the last year we were able to find an opportunity where um, a company putting together with ours, you know, one plus one is more than two, and we were unlock some sort of issues with the other company. And really, Hard Rock Project, which we've renamed Greenstone, was the key prize. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a project that was being disputed by two partners, and we got an opportunity to come in and sort of reset the bar there. Us and Orion came in, basically bought out the overall project, and now it's a 60-40 split, so we have sort of operational control. And, you know, we just loved it. It's, it's going to be the third or fourth largest gold mine in Canada. And I think people lost track of that because it yeah. was in this legal dispute. It'll produce over 400,000 ounces of gold for 14 years, and there's way more to come later. And um, when you look at the valuation of an asset like that in Canada right now, in Ontario, permitted First Nations agreements, it's just fantastic. And so to be able to basically buy half of that or 60% for give or take probably now $200 million, really, when you think about the the value that really we paid when you look at all the assets that we acquired, yeah. it's just a fantastic opportunity. Well, that, that deal originally was a 50-50 deal but then it quickly turned around and you took another 10 percent to make it 60 yeah, why, I mean, why, why you know, tell, why was that why is that why what was the timing there i mean our view has always been on assets and companies if if you like 50 percent of it you know why well, you'd love 100 percent of it right you want to have as much control and operational access to it as possible and obviously the rewards come with that and the problem with obviously that project is a billion and a half dollars of capital you know canadian dollars but um, having a partner for a company our size would de-risk the actual funding and execution of that project. And so we're probably not just quite at the heft to just take it on ourselves and just sort of roll it in simply. So, And also Orion was there first. They were going to be the funding partner for Premier to actually take it forward. And they're a good group. They're deeply capitalized. And we've worked with them many times before, and they've been shareholders. And so we thought, you know what, there's an opportunity here, but we want to own 60%. And so we sort of said very quickly, you know, we'd like to buy the extra 10. And Orion's view is they want to make money. They don't care about having their name on the logo or necessarily um, being seen as the, the lead. So it was a perfect synergistic matchup with them for us. Um, you know, stepping away from that project, let's go to some of the operating mines. You did put out new resource updates on a number of those. Uh, I want to ask you about Mesquite and just, you know, how much mine life is left on Mesquite. Uh, the, the market seems to think one thing where Equinox says something different. So, you know, where, what is the mine life at Mesquite now? Well, you know, if all goes well, I hope I'm sitting here in 10 years' time talking about the mine life still of Mesquite. Okay, but uh, we just announced a 65% increase in the resource. and. There's a high conversion rate there that'll have an enterprise reserve. And 
really, we bought that mine with two and a half year mine life. It was in the bottom of the market. Gold was $1,100 an ounce, paid $150 million. And three years later, we've returned all the capital and more. We've actually added to it. We've now got a three year mine life again. Mm-hmm. And we're still drilling, and there's lots more gold there in our view. You know, around those pits, in between them, deeper. Obviously, using a different gold price can help. And then we think as you move to the east, there's more opportunity. And Scott, our head of exploration, hit the best hole I think in the history of that project, just to the eastern end. And so we're kind of going, hmm, wonder what's going on underneath the highway over there. And it's been moved once. So mm. we're kind of like focused on the core of the asset, which is you know the existing pits. And there's lots more to come there. And that's why we just keep adding a year or two every year or two. And I think that'll keep happening. But then the bigger prize will also maybe be to the east and cross the highway and that. And so maybe in the long term, we get our exploration permits over there. You'd look for a bigger prize of, I'm hoping, a million ounces or something, you know. But I I think you'll just keep adding to the mine like gradually. Do you, what's any challenges getting exploration permits in California? It's slow. It's slow. I mean, it's interesting because we do get asked that question a lot. Can you mine in California? Well, we've got two mines in California. The key, though, is we've got operating mines. And so amending your permits, if you're a good corporate citizen there, you've got a good relationship with the BLM and the other regulators. We've, I don't think they've had any permits denied, but I'll tell you, they've been slow. They aren't always yeah. as fast as you hope, so you just better be prepared and have a bit of a buffer in there for your timelines. Are you, like, how closely are you working with the state and federal agencies there in, in Southern California? Closely, yeah. yeah, with both of them. And, I mean, we're just about to go for a permanent amendment at Castle Mountain, just up near Vegas, obviously, but on the California border side. Right. And that one, we've got a small mine, and we want that to be a 200,000-ounce producer for 16 years. And we've got all the resource sitting in that nice EIS boundary and box mm-hmm. that exists for the mine, which is operating. And we're just asking, can we disturb a bit more land within that box? And can we, well, the emissions will be a little higher as well and stuff. And so we're working through that. We're going to look to do any, anything we can to make it as amenable to permitting as possible. You know, anything that can have clean energy power sources, you know, not having a tailings dam, stacking our filter tails on top of an old leach pad, you know. Um, there's lots of different ways. Eventually, trucks will probably be clean energy sources too. So, yeah, yeah, and that'll yeah, be good for California. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they'll definitely, they'll definitely appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because I always, it's sometimes people forget that the Walker Lane trend doesn't know state boundaries, and so like <laughs> they keep on thinking, about, oh, you know, Walker Lane in Nevada. But I mean, on the California side, it's incredibly well endowed. Yeah. I mean, you're operating there in a couple mines. There's a lot of exploration, yeah. uh, historic exploration, and Ross so had an operating mine there way back when in the early yeah. days of his career. Yeah. 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 So it's, you know, it's, it's just really interesting. Like if you take a step back and like where, where is more exploration opportunity within that trend on the California side? Is there still places you can go? And I think there probably still is. And there are definitely some projects. I think we are a little bit gun shy of going for a lot more there right now because we think diversified risk is important. And we've got two good projects there that just keep giving, I think, in terms of ounces and potential mine life. So we're like, let's focus on those. They're already permitted. It'll be easier to amend and to... Right to uh, just extend those lives rather than go for something brand new. I'm not saying one day we wouldn't, but right now I don't think we need that. And, you know, let's focus on our big project at Greenstone and get that built in the background. Yeah. Uh, how is Greenstone? The, how, the, what, what needs to happen at Greenstone? Yeah, it's, um, it is ready to go effectively. Um, I was just talking to the team earlier this week, and they have going to basically hand over the keys on the temporary camp any day now. They've mm-hmm. cleared all the trees with the First Nations. Um, they've actually got engineering a long way down the track. They've got uh, G-Mining lined up to integrate with our team, and the project team's been building up. They're like, give us the green light to go here. And we're hoping that'll be in quarter four this year. So we'll finish Santa Luz in Brazil Uh in quarter four physically. It'll pour gold in quarter one, but kind of on the back of that, you're switching on greenstone construction. 
Yeah. And so we're really, really close now. Uh, how are you managing this process, like, without, you know, overstepping too much going from Brazil, you know, up to Greenstone yeah. and, and making sure you're not, you know, putting on too much into the company? Yeah, I mean, that's probably our biggest challenge. People ask what are our biggest risks. It's about juggling those yeah, balls, yeah. keeping them in order, in sequence, try not to drop any of them along the way as well is really important. And um, I think they do line up in sequence well. So our corporate team and technical skills, which we beefed up over the last year or so, can focus on one at a time, but be looking ahead to the next one. But really it's the people on the ground because building a mine in Brazil versus Ontario is a very different skill set, language, culture, right. contractor. So we don't just parachute a team in that would naturally go to the next one. You know, they're very specialized. The guys who built Horizon are actually leading the build of, of Santa Luz. Mm. They won't transfer up to uh, Ontario. We've got a bunch of old Exignico Eagle guys there that are going to build that one because they got the specialized skills in northern Canadian remote builds. And this is not very remote, but remote builds. Yeah. Are you finding challenges with workforce and labor, building construction, you know, like, you know, staying within budget because everything is getting more expensive yeah. from the people to, you know, the things, physical things you need to build it? Yeah, I think we're starting to see some of that inflation, you know, factor into reagents, diesel costs, you know, labor, maybe to a small degree. And the good thing, I guess, with Santa Luz is we'd ordered all the parts, most of them are already there. Um, very little has to come on the water and the contracts were already in place. So we're going to probably finish that, you know, on time, on budget. I don't think you're going to see much impact there. Um, COVID is probably a little bit more of an impact, but we've been able to manage that pretty well. And then it's more Greenstone, but we haven't set a budget yet, so we can't go over budget until we set it. But uh, we'll factor in some escalation and inflation for sure. You know, mm -hmm. steel costs, you know, lumber come back, but steel costs are up. There's probably various contract costs will be slightly higher and various inputs. I mean, it's just the nature of the world right now. Yeah. Uh, I do want to turn attention over to Los Filos. Uh, yeah. it, it, a couple news items. Actually, it's like two of the same. It seems like blockades being formed uh, in the last year or two. I mean... I, Ross Beatty was on the show during the first blockade about a year ago, I think it was, and you could tell he was just like chomping at the bit from his quarantine home. He just wanted to go down there and talk to the people and say like we're both on the same page. Um, and so that gets lifted, but then another blockade comes in what, a couple months ago. Yeah, and that's been lifted. How do you? Um, reassure investors that this was not going to be a continual thing that happens every year. Yeah, and I, and I can't give any guarantees. I'll just state that up front. But what we need to do is build a stable, sim, uh, synergistic you know, partnership with this group, these groups, and it's the communities. Mm -hmm. And it, quite often you're dealing with the leadership in these communities. And I think what's changed, obviously COVID came, change in ownership and management, and... Um, you know, we're starting to invest in a new open pit, new underground, and those tend to be on the lands, the historic lands of those communities that we lease that land. So quite often the communities see that as their the right to the jobs, the economics, the contracts, the social benefits, mm -hmm. and preference for a lot of that stuff should go to them as a community. And we can't operate purely in that style. Otherwise, we've got three communities fighting amongst each other and we're trying to referee. So we will give preference and try and give contracts and, and things to various communities. But we move equipment and, and our workforce and people amongst our different operations there. We have five mines that supply this leach pad. Right. And so we need to be flexible and fungible so we can't give all the jobs to one community because it will disadvantage the others. So we have to manage that. And part of it's education, part of it's about a negotiation and that. And historically, unfortunately, in this this specific mine, they've been successful at using blockade as their negotiating tool to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. um, there was a couple originally under the Gold Corp days, and 
I think um, you know the, the decision was made that the cost of keeping a blockade in place and arguing with these communities was higher than actually sort of giving into some of those demands. Mm -hmm. Where we took a little bit different approach, said we want to be a long-term partner here for a very long time. Ross's view is this this company and the shares he owns go to his charity one day. That's a long way from now, a long time from now. Yeah. So we need to build a, a partnership where we trust each other. And so we said, look, we'll we'll be as fair as possible, but we have to manage all parties. And also we need to make sure health and safety is always managed well because if we're renting equipment and that, it has to be maintained. So we can't have big pieces of equipment maintained by individuals in a community. You know, if they're going underground and they're big jumbos and operating pieces of equipment, they need to work. It's yeah. health and safety oriented. And, um, you know, really, I think it's, we said, you know, look, we're not going to pay blockade fees. We're not going to pay families to stand on the blockade that come bust in from out of town. Mm -hmm. You know, that encourages blockade. So they were quite shocked, I think, in that sense, that we actually had those sort of lines in the sand or principles and said we won't pay that because they're used to getting rewarded for that. Hmm. That was the historical situation there. And so, you know, it hasn't been easy to negotiate a solution there. I hope that it will stand, um, but it will take time and it will take a multiple quarters and a year or two to really show that we've got a track record. And I think investors want to see that, so do we. Yeah. And But I think we're in a better place because we have stood our ground to a certain degree. We've changed management. We've got a guy who's a long hand, worked in Mexico for years, dealt with blockades, speaks the language, um, knows the culture and that. And that's a really important thing and built a much better team environment that has a long-term vision where I don't think it was a long-term vision before we took over the company. Yeah. I mean, you would hate to see this continue over and over yes. and over, yes. right? Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's not economic for the business or the community because it just means less money going into people's pockets exactly. to support it. But at the same time, like, you know, I guess for a business, like, if it does continue to happen and happen, like, is it worth it? You know, can, can you unload it and walk away? And well, we, we have specifically put it back to them. We said, look, we want to build a CIL plan there. It will... We allow this mine to be more efficient, bigger, it'll go for longer, et cetera. And we said, we won't do it until there's stability. Mm. And I tell you, there's only one mine there for the, some of those communities. They need it. We've got eight. So we said, we'll go and invest in Ontario. We'll go and invest in California and Brazil. And we'll come back here and invest when you're ready. And I think that resonates, you know, because, because it does hit the bottom line for, for the governments, for unions, for the employees. And the last two situations were resolved a little bit differently. The first one was more a negotiated solution. The last one was a little bit more, I'll call it harder line, where we said, look, you know, we can't give in to certain these demands. And, and eventually the employees said, we're sick of not getting paid. Let's go back to work. Mm -hmm. And actually there was a bit of an overwhelming support. And the, they realized that actually we're not such bad guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, things that aren't contractually owed uh, were adding up to not a big number and not a big item for them to stand firm on and they are like we want to get paid we want to be working here and actually the vibe was pretty good when they came back to work mm -hmm. and sometimes um you know you need to talk to the whole community because actually the community does want the mine there and they actually want those jobs they're great jobs for them yeah absolutely. and we we contribute into so many social programs infrastructure scholarships i mean the land payments are really good. So it's we really do some great work down mm -hmm. there. So it's disappointing to see that. And, and we get some abuse, of course, because uh, we get accused of various things. But you know what? We're good corporate citizens down there. And Ross is an environmentalist at heart, too. So we, we do take care of things when we do do right. work in these communities. Uh, let's take a step back and look big picture here and yeah. just where the company is heading, what the goal is of the company. I mean, a lot of people feel... Equinox can be the next great major gold producer the world will welcome. Um, 
you know, but if if you do comparisons, how do you how do you get to that next step, the market cap that says, hey, we're right up there with the Kirkland Lakes, you know, and you know we're you know we may not have the bureaucracy of a big major producer, uh, but we are doing great cash we've got great investors and when people think about investing in gold and gold miners equinox is the first one that comes to their mind how do you get there yeah and it's funny uh when you look at our production right now we're roughly six hundred thousand ounces and within our portfolio we can go to over a million ounces if we just execute so for me it's a matter of two or three years execution 2024 we start hitting a million ounces a year run rate and when you look across our peer base and at some of those big companies you kind of go, huh, a couple of those are actually less than a million ounces a year, a couple or more. And you kind of go, our valuation is, you know, a fraction of what theirs are. And, and we've got to show, it's a show me story right now, mm-hmm. you know, solve the situation in, in Los Feliz. Well, we're most of the way there now on that. Then go and execute and build these mines and show that you're a million ounce producer at good costs. And, and I think we're a long way there. We've got it funded. We've got a great balance sheet. It's in the portfolio and a lot of companies don't have growth. And I think it's been a uh, an almost a negative word in our sector over the, the downturn in the cycle that we're coming out of, I hope, right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of companies are paying dividends, they're very steady state, no growth. Well, we're going to be big growth, eventually paying a dividend once we're a steady state. But uh, it's fully funded, and, um, you know, Ross really wants to be around and see this in the top sort of 10 mining companies in the world, gold mining companies in the world. Well, he, and, he uh, put his money where his mouth is. He has. He's put over $150 million into the company. And it's been just great having his support. It's allowed us to take a longer-term view on things. We don't just operate quarter to quarter. I know we need to report quarter to quarter, but we've got a long-term vision. That million ounces is important. That makes us a nice, diversified company that becomes on parallel with a lot of those companies you were mentioning. And it's all within our grasp, and that's the great thing. We don't have to go out and do an M&A deal. We can just execute, which isn't always easy, but we just got to get on and do it. Uh, Are you open to new acquisitions? Oh, we, we're always keeping an eye on the market, but I think right now, you know, we've got our, our plates full and yeah. we just need to focus on building what we've got. We may sell a small asset or two and, you know, we'll keep an eye on as the pipeline starts to dwindle and we build those assets and go into production. Yeah, maybe we want to fill up the pipeline down the road, yeah. but there's no urgency right now. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, what else do you want to make sure that the listeners of this podcast take away. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground and yeah. probably haven't even scratched the surface quite yet, but you know, you've had a lot of conversations this week here in Beaver Creek, you know, what do you want people to know heading into the final stages of 2021 and into a new year? Yeah, I mean, it, it's an incredible point for for entry into our story. I mean, I Ross, myself, the whole management team, we all bought our stock in uh, August after our results went out. We were just going, you can buy this stock at $8 a share. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, $2 billion market uh, market cap basically for a company that's diversified with seven mines, soon going to nine, and going to be a million ounce producer. There just isn't better value around with built-in growth that's funded. So, And with a great group of you know supporters like Ross Beattie, Richard Wark, and uh, some global banks and institutions. So we were just like, you know, this stock is going to be really interesting over the next two to three years, and you can get it cheap right now. So our job is really to deliver on closing the multiple gap. And if you look at some of our presentations and, and documents, you know, we're trading at 0.5 to 0.6 times in that asset value. Most of the sort of steady state peers are in that 0.8 to 1 times. They should be a little higher probably, but the market's a bit depressed. Yeah. And for us to climb up into that category, which is totally foreseeable in the next few years, you know, that's at least a doubling in our share price. And then we're going to keep exploring extending mine lines and that. So there's so many catalysts. It's such a catalyst-rich company. Yeah. But we need to execute. 
I, I, I told you that was my last question, but I lied because I just thought <laughs> one more. Um, you know, in, in this time where we're seeing the the miners, the mid tier miners, the from and exploration, everything. It, if you have to deal with gold, you're getting hit for the last year. It's just been a real struggle. But the price of gold is still very, very strong. $1,800 gold. Equinox is making great money, great cash flow. But the market outside, you know, if you're not paying real close attention to gold equities, you're not seeing that this is a great cash flowing place to be. Like the value is there. For, it's, it's for you as the CEO of a company sitting there and saying, you know, pounding the table that we have great cash flow. What is what? Why is the market not paying attention to this? The greater market. What is it that they're not paying? Why is it they're not paying attention to gold producers? Yeah. I, first thing I just want to say, I think I was talking to someone today, and I think gold averaged roughly eighteen hundred or above per ounce for the last quarter. It's never done that in the history of gold. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. I was like, huh, we're below the two thousand high, but actually, it's been averaging a great price. We're all making good money at these levels. And you're right. It's a secret almost. People are ignoring it right now. But I think part of it's just the malaise in the market. You know, people are making money elsewhere. I think the S&P is up 20% this year. Um, you don't have, don't feel you needed to own gold. You know, the government's got your back. They're, they're propping the markets up. The interest rates are low. Um, you know, so I think it's going to take some kind of catalyst realization. Um, I think a lot of people acknowledge the fundamentals, but they're just not sure mm -hmm. yet whether they need that hedge or that protection versus purchasing power or currencies and that. And, and I think that's coming. Um, you know, you can only defy the fundamentals for so long. You know, there's a lot of political influence in the markets and bonds and things these days and currencies. And, you know, it can only go on for so long without any recognition. And, and I think a bunch of generalist investors are doing a bit of work, but right now they're kind of going, I'm getting my short-term returns in these other spaces, yeah. so I don't need it. Yeah. So I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to be a little bit of patient. And you're right, it's absolutely frustrating for us. But, uh, you know, I'd much rather be right now making a lot of cash and waiting my time out a little bit longer to get that uh, reward and return than living the downturn from 2011 where it's like, oh crap, yeah. you know, yeah. where's yeah. the gold price going and how are you going to pay the debt bills and all that, which, you know, we're not in that environment. It's a much better place to be. And, and I think our sector right now is much more disciplined and can wait a little longer. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll reach out to you later this winter, get an update and see what's happening, yeah. uh, all the other projects and yeah. see what the new news is in a couple of months time. How's that One sound? thing is it won't be dull. There'll be lots to talk about. <laughs> all right. Very good. That's <laughs> uh, Christian Malawi. He's the chief executive officer over at Equinox Gold. They trade on the TSX and the NYSC American with the symbol EQX. And for me in Mining Stock Daily, that is a wrap from the Beaver Creek Precious Metals Summit. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak to a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.